Okay, let's quickly open our Bibles again to the book of um, Psalms. We're going to read Psalm 146 again to start today. Remember, when we begin to study, first thing we do is to declare the glory of God, the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's take that again this evening from the book of Psalms 146. All right, um, 146. One, two, let's go. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not trust in princes, immortal man in whom there is no salvation. Verse 4. His spirit departs, he returns to the earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. He took his face forever. Who executes justice for the oppressed? Who gives food to the hungry? The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widow. He thwarts the way of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, we say it again. The Lord is the one that executes justice for the oppressed. Amen. And he will execute justice in this nation in the name of Jesus. Amen. He will defend truth in the name of Jesus. Amen. He will reward righteousness in Jesus' name. Amen. He will defend truth in the name of Jesus. Amen. And he will judge the oppressor in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. He will reward righteousness in Jesus' name. Amen. It will happen that it will no longer be said in this nation that a thief is generous. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, the Lord is good. Amen. Quickly, let's take our declaration of understanding as we always do. And then we'll take our seats and begin to study. One, two, let's go. Now I declare. That the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this. I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. All right, the Lord is good. Once again, the fresh anointing for everyone paying attention to this today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's take our seats. All right, let's open our Bibles to the book of Psalms 51 to take our Bible reading from uh, for today. I think I'm going to read. Um, I'm going to read the whole chapter. I will start from the beginning of my the way my Bible heads that segment and the way the Hebrew Bible does it too. It says for uh, a contrite sinner's prayer for pardon. For the choir director, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Um, it says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, 
so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. In verse 14, he says, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. By your favor, do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then young bulls will be offered on your altar. Praise the Lord. All right, the Lord is good. Now, um, I just need, this is a summary of what I'll be talking about today. Uh, in our looking at the life of David and taking important lessons from the man David and what God did in his life. Remember, we have seen that David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, a man that was raised up by God. All right? We read that from Second uh, Samuel, a man that was raised up by God. And now we have been looking at different aspects of his life, how, why God raised him up. We have already seen the fact that it's the kind of heart he had beginning from the time he was young. It's not when you become old that God decides what he's going to do with you. He looks at your heart, and from the time you are young, he decides what he's going to do, which direction you are facing in life, and how useful you are to him, all right, as a person. And last time we saw that David's exploits in life were not a result of his, listen to this, his skill. That the exploits in his life did not come as a result of, of even his character. The exploits came as a result of what? The anointing. Because after um, Samuel poured oil upon him in the presence of his brethren, the Spirit of God came upon him mightily from that day forward. Now, what I want to look at today, and of course, we now said that each person must strive, make sure that you get that anointing. There is something about it. When Paul got to Ephesus and did not see it in the lives of the people, he noticed. And we said, what did he notice? Likely, he saw their lack of boldness. He saw their lack of tenacity. He saw their lack of joy, all right, in their salvation. So he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we did not, we were not even aware there's such a thing as the Holy Spirit. And then he baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus because they, by, up to that point in time, they were acquainted only with the baptism of John. And so he baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he laid his hands upon them and they were filled with the spirit and it was manifested in that they spoke with other tongues and then they prophesied. Now, so we see that there are three ways we said that by which 
Christians receive the Holy Spirit. Let's remember that. Number one is simply by what? Waiting, by tiring. The first time the church received the Holy Spirit, nobody prayed for anybody. Nobody laid hands on anybody. They were just waiting until they were endued with power from on high, which was what Jesus had instructed them concerning. Without that power, you will not be effective as a Christian. It's not about personal boldness. It's not about personal ability. Um, Peter and Co. thought they had it, and they told Jesus, we're going to stay with you till the end. But Jesus said, no, you can't do it. When you see the trials of life, you will fall back. When you see the troubles that will come against you because of the, you know, the persecutions and the troubles that this world will bring, you will run away. So he said to them, tarry in Jerusalem. Of course, it was demonstrated when he was arrested. All of them disappeared. So he now told them, you wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So sometimes we tell young believers, go out and go and testify. It does not always work like that. What they need to do is wait until they are endued with power from on high. So those people were waiting. And in the process of waiting, the Holy Spirit came upon them. All right? And then that power came into their lives. And we said, if you want to establish anything in life, you want to start anything in life, take time out to go and pray. Wait until you are indeed with power from on high. And let me just add this, even though I said it last time briefly, that you will know when the power has come. But one of the ways you will be aware of, because sometimes you that's um, doing it, you may quickly overlook the fact that something different has happened to you. But one of the ways by which we know is a new kind of boldness that God will give to you. I think that's the most important way you will know. There's a kind of boldness that, that will come upon you that was not there before. Sometimes it's a new kind of eloquence that you will have that you did not even know or right, was possible with you. It's one of the ways you will know that you have been endued with that power. The second way we said by which believers can receive the Holy Spirit is simply through the, the laying on of hands okay, of the elders. John, Peter and John went to Samaria after Philip had ministered to them and he laid, they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. The one in Ephesus that we referred to earlier, Paul did the same thing. He laid hands on them. That's the second way by which people receive the Holy Spirit. So it is proper, therefore, for believers to seek the laying on of hands by the elders that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And the third way we said, Paul said, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by what? Hearing with faith. He wrote to the Galatians. So when you hear with faith, you also receive the Holy Spirit. It's called hearing with faith. That is, as you are sitting down, paying attention to the word. He said, Ezekiel said it like this. When he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. So when the word is coming, Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. What that means, he said, the flesh profits nothing. It is the spirit that gives life. What he was saying is that when you hear sounds, it's not what just the sound means that matters. It's what the sound is conveying. What is that sound transmitting? Just for your information, every sound in life is transmitting something. Bear that in mind. Every sound in life is transmitting something. Sometimes the sound doesn't even make any sense. It is transmitting something. I like one thing John Gillick said once. He said when he was in South Africa, there was a time he craved right, for the fellowship of the brethren. So the only church he had around that he could fellowship in was the local church that spoke a language that he did not understand. They did not speak English. But you know what he did? He went there all the same, sat through the service, and he was blessed. Yet he did not understand a word of everything that they said that day. But because every sound transmits something, his spirit was strengthened. Faith was built up in him, even though he didn't hear the word. The sound transmitted something into his life. And just by the way, don't ever forget it. This world is full of iniquity. This world is full of evil. When you sit down and you're standing up, big brother, big brother, you are receiving sound. It's transmitting something to you. Did you hear what I said there? When you plug your ears 
And you ask yourself, who is singing to me? No matter how nice the fellow is in his song, be careful. He may be transmitting the spirit by the sound. One young man that used to be in the fellow shrine said something that time. That, you know, you heard Shifela utter something like, everybody, let us start. If I, you know, it sounds like a joke. Now we are going to stand on the wall spiritual game. And then everybody say, hey, I say something. I know what he said, but I don't want to repeat it so as not to add to my own sound. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, I want to keep my sound pure. All right, so he will say things. And, will, and they will just repeat things like, uh, maybe, hey, la, lo, la, lo, la. And everybody will shout, hey, la, lo. He didn't say that. I'm just adding words now. And the guy says something that you are participating in incantation. You don't realize it. So make everybody go into it. Of course, you know, of course, drums will go, rhythm will go with it. Those things are, you know, they are gyrations of the spirit. People are, there's something they are doing. They are conjuring up spirits. One of those young men said that he stayed there for a few days and he learned to play, I forgot, play how many instruments in just a few days. He became an expert in play, just a few days in that ambience. So don't think these things are jokes. There's a, people, when you talk, they say that there are Christians are like this. People like, no, I'm not, if you know me, I'm not a superstitious person in that sense. But I believe in spiritual things. I understand spiritual truths. People actually, they actually put incantations into recordings. They do. They hum in the background before they release albums. You buy an album, they say, listen, a spirit is telling them the tune to use, what they say. Be careful. It's not everything you're plugging your ear and you're walking on the road. Some of them will drive you into a gutter, you will die. Some of them will make you an adulterer. I'm telling you the truth. Sounds. Sounds matter. I hope you're getting my point. Sounds matter. Sounds matter. The things of the spirit are not jokes. Sounds matter. Okay, so let's get back to the main thing we are saying. So as the word is coming for Jesus said, the words that I speak is not just the physical things you are hearing. There is a spirit I'm transmitting. Paul was teaching and somebody received from him the spirit of faith. And he looked at the fellow and said, hey, this guy has gotten faith to be healed. Sounds matter. I hope I'm getting my point. So as the word is being spoken, something is being transmitted. So Paul said, how did you receive the spirit? Was it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? So as you are sitting there, like I said last time, if you just pay attention to everything we said last time, the spirit will enter into you. That I, I didn't have any doubt about it. It will enter. It will enter. And that's what happened in the house of Cornelius. Peter stood there and was preaching. He was trying to explain things. While he was speaking, people got born again. They got filled with the spirit. <laughs> and they started speaking other tongues. And Paul was wondering. Uh, uh, Peter was like, what is, I know God knew what he was doing because left to Peter. They will have gone for a council before that baptism will take place. So the Holy Spirit just took over the whole thing so that they had no choice but to participate in what God is doing by baptizing those people in water. By that time, God said, I don't finish my work already. But what we are bringing out in that particular instance is that the people received the Spirit, not by anybody laying hands on them, not by tiring, but by what? Hearing with faith. So those are the three ways we said by which people indeed receive the Spirit. Now, now we're going to continue from, from that particular point. Now, we read from this book of um, Psalms, chapter 51. We read everything to bring out the particular point. If I today I said, let me just say what I want to say first, and I begin to explain it. Now, this is a summary of what I'm, I want to teach today. The Lord does not use perfect people, but the imperfect people must aim for perfection. You did hear what I said? Let me say it again. Now say it after me. The Lord does not use perfect people. Say it again. What I mean is he's not looking for perfect people to use. He can use imperfect people. 
However, the imperfect people or the imperfect person he's using must aim for perfection. Can you say that? The imperfect person he's using must aim for perfection. Say it one more time. Because that's a mistake a lot of people make. One man said, the fact that we are pastors don't mean we are holy. Now, you know, you can interpret that many ways. But I can tell you the way he said it. That is, listen, the Urukuruku I am involved in is part of my imperfection. Leave that thing. We are still pastors. Such people will be, will be destroyed. Please, let me say it like that. I, I keep on saying it. I know about grace. Do you follow my point? I know the gospel of grace. But to tell Christians they will not be destroyed if they continue in sin is not the gospel of grace. It's a gospel of lies. Did you hear what I said? It is called lying to them. It's called deceiving people. Grace does not mean God does not punish iniquity in his people. Please go and read Revelation. You will see Jesus saying those things to the church. Now, I was saying, so some people will look at it. Because God has manifested in their lives, despite their imperfections, they think it's a sign of approval. Let's talk about the anointing. I said it last time. I need to emphasize it again. The anointing came upon David. He began to do exploits. Now, the fact that God is using you is not at all evidence that he approves of everything in your life. I said something last time. That the Holy Spirit that's upon you, that anointing, only does two things. Well, first, it is given for function. It is given so that you can do the work of God. It is given so you can fulfill the assignment of God on this earth. I said, it does not help you with your personal righteousness. I said, it does not help with personal holiness. You have to get up and discipline yourself like everybody else, including those who are not anointed. I hope you are getting my point. Let me tell you something about the anointing. It works funny. If God has placed an anointing upon you, please, you have to be careful that you don't get confused by it. Because sometimes the anointing will behave in such a manner. The life of Samson is our best example. That's why I wrote the little book, Beyond Gifts and Talents, for people to understand what we're talking about. Samson was anointed. Samson was anointed. But that anointing was not a sign of God's approval on his life. It was a sign of God's calling on his life. You can answer the call of God, but not purify yourself fully. It's possible. I hope you're getting my point. God can say, hey, get, arise and go to Nineveh. And on your way, you pick a halos to go with you. See, you have answered the call to Nineveh. Did you get my point? On your way, you steal money to pay for sheep. <laughs> you go- say, where are you going? He said, look, it's the work of God. So you steal somebody's money. There are different ways to steal. But you steal somebody's money. He's, you are eating together. You take his ticket. And say, let me just hold it for you. When he goes to the toilet, you enter the boat. You did not buy tickets. <laughs> Do you get my point? You have stolen. You know the truth? This is what many people don't realize. You will get to Nineveh. And the anointing of God will be there. You will rise to minister. And the whole city will be converted. Then you will turn around and say, see, it's good we stole that ticket. Too. Because without the stealing of the ticket, we will not have reached here. People, it's working. It's working. People think that the fact that I stole the ticket, if God did not approve of it, he should not have allowed revival in any way. No! The revival in any way came because you answered the call to go. Did you hear what I said? That manifestation is a result of the answer you give to the call. When God said, arise and go to Nineveh, you did not go to Tashish like Jonah, but you went to Nineveh. Even if you went to Tashish and you got arrested by the 
um, by the whale army. Are you getting my point? The, 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 submarine, <laughs> the submarine army of God. All right, and they arrested you and took you. To, once you land in Nineveh, upon your head is an anointing for Nineveh. If you get there and lie to the people in Nineveh that I came from Egypt, don't worry. If you preach the word, they will still be converted. Why? The anointing is upon that call. I hope you're getting my point. But every disobedience carries with it a just recompense or reward. God will discipline you for stealing somebody's ticket. For stealing somebody's money to get to Nineveh, you are going to be disciplined. For going there and finding a harlot there, you will be disciplined. Precisely what ended the life of Samson. Please, I hope you're getting my point. That's a lot of us make the mistake. We think that the fact that somebody's anointed, and just by the way, let me take it from that way, another way around. If you find a man of God that is anointed, and later you discover some negative things about his personal character, don't be disappointed. You can be disappointed for him. You can be unhappy for him. But don't be shocked as if you have seen something that the world is not supposed to see. He wouldn't be the first. Many of us would not have believed that Samson was a man of God. Honestly, if I was alive that time, Samson would not be my friend. I won't let him to my, in my, into my house. Anytime he's coming, I tell my wife, don't let him come in here. He's not, he's not a friend. Why? Anywhere he goes, I'll ask my wife, do you want me to be doing what he's doing? If your answer is no, then he can't be my friend. Does it not mean he's not anointed? It doesn't mean he's not anointed. Let him use his anointing. But you saw what the thing the father did to him. I hope you're getting my point. I wanted to just bring the other end to it. Because sometimes people want to use that as proof. That, uh, you see, this man is not a real man of God. His personal life is not my issue. But was he anointed by the Spirit? Yes, he was. Why? Because he answered the call. Anytime you answer that call, the anointing will come upon you. Especially when you ask for it. Back to the angle we started from. So you as a person, don't assume it's God's approval on your character. It's not. It is not. Don't assume it means that everything is okay. It's not. I said on the last time, or right, let me repeat it again. So anointing does not protect you morally. It does not protect you in that area. It does not protect you in the matter of righteousness or matter of holiness. Rather, you are the one that will protect the anointing. That's why we read here. David says something. It's very, very important. Uh, it's the main reason we pick this portion from the book of um, Psalms, Psalms 51. We read it somewhere. Yes. Verse 11. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. That is, the man has a duty. And that's a matter of fact. Anything God gives you, one of the things he gives us an assignment in life is to guard it. He put the man in the garden and said, guard it and do what? And keep it. Protect it. Take care of it. If God puts his anointing upon you, make sure you protect it. Because we have seen that it's possible for you to be withdrawn. If it wasn't possible, this prayer would not be there. You saw that when Samson went and shaved his head. You know, it took a while because it's called the long-suffering of God. It took a while before I finally got there. Please, if you haven't, I will encourage you to read that book, Beyond Gifts and Talents. In fact, like I said, wrote at the subtitle, I said, why gifted people may fail. The anointing may work, but you don't survive long enough to even reap the benefits of it. If you read The Happiest People on Earth, a book I quote quite often, in it, the demo Shakaran told the story of a young preacher he was in his thirties, uh, if I remember, around thirty-six years of age. That he invited for all their meetings. He said this man was, an, in fact, according to him, he was the most anointed person he had ever met. Miracles were normal in his meeting. That is, as the man is ministering, all kinds of miracles taking place. 
All kinds. He said, but there's one thing he noticed about the man. My father. The guy loved money. Hey. Then Moshakari had not seen anything like that. He had never seen any pastor that... He said, the man's always calculating. You look at it. Let me just... I will tell you many stories. Some of them he told me. I'm just adding some. Maybe come for a meeting and say, man, how many people did there? Ah, that number of people. We're up to 1,000 today. If each person gave it $10, that's $10,000 now. It's the kind of thing the guy was doing. He'd be calculating. Um, see money. And then Demo Shakara used to be funny. A bit like what I do these days. Nobody drives for money at his meetings. They take announcements. And this is what he used to do. He would, if he was going to ask a meeting, maybe in Enugu here, he goes around churches. They draw a budget and tell the churches to please contribute what they can. Maybe they come together. Ten churches contribute to, uh, to, for the pro, They come together to organize the program. They put money together. So, they pay. No, the churches don't bring money. Sorry, they don't. Churches come together, they promote the program. Then during the meeting, they take um, offerings. Now the offerings, the, the money they, they're taking from that is used to pay all the bills. If the money is more than the bills, they give the money to the churches that participate to use in their own uh, ministry activity. If the money is less than the bill, he pays from his own pocket. God blessed him with that. So if they have enough money, good for the churches. If they don't have enough money, it doesn't cost the churches anything. He will pay. And that's what he was used to doing. So every evening they will take offerings and all of that. Then this man will keep on telling him that, oh boy, see action here. See action. He said, what do you mean by see action? That is like, okay, let me give the words. He said, man, you have a great thing going here. You can get something out of this. This story I just told you now. He will tell the man again, like, oh boy, didn't you understand what I said? This is how we get money. People give freely. We use it to pay. If the money is short, don't worry about it. God has given me enough to balance it. If the money is excessive, the churches that participate, they use the money for their own ministry activities. Which part of this don't you understand? The man will be quiet. After some days, we'll come back again and say, oh, more. These people are ready to give. <laughs> Let's make a long story short. He said the last day of the meeting, this guy spent two hours collecting an offering. Let me use our modern day. The Lord just laid... <laughs> No, we do that these days. The Lord said to me that there are 50 people here that are going to break the back of poverty with a special offering today. Somebody will say, I'm giving God $2,000. You hear it all the time. Let me say it to you again. 99% of the times, God is saying, God is saying, is it me? Me, when? Let me say it to you. 99% of the times, God did not say anything like that. This man spent two hours doing such things. He would tell you, you can come and give again. You have given before. You can give again. <laughs> According to Demoshaka, you can read the story in Happiest People on Earth. According to him, the man only stopped when he was sure everybody was broke. He was sure that he had collected everything everybody brought. Then he ended the meeting. Let me make a long story short. He's, he's, I think his son-in-law, his brother-in-law, one of those guys, Almost had it rough with that man of God, but he's restrained him. He said, look, he's the Lord's anointed. He told him. He said, I didn't even know when he said it. He just heard, him, he heard himself say something. He just said, leave him, let him go. You can't take, put your hands to the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. So they let the man go. Make a long story short. Next time he heard from that man, the man was flat broke, begging for money. He stopped by the, the, the Moshakaran's office and said, oh, God, I beg. I need to get to the next city. Can you give me some money? That one gave him some money. That was five years later. 
Three years after that, the man was dead. By the time he died, I think he was just 43 years of age. Yes, he was 35, 36 when that meeting occurred. Heavily anointed. Heavily anointed. But he died for the love of money. Sometimes I look at people these days, and I wonder, I say, you know, the truth about many ministers is, I say, they don't read. They don't read. They don't read. No, they don't read, because if you pick a book like God's Generals, the first volume, them, Robert Sladen, he wrote as a young man in his 20s. When they compare, you read and be afraid. If you read books like Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits, he gave gifts unto men. Many of those books by Kennedy Hagin on ministry matters, you will read and be afraid. He said that the Lord said to him at the end of 1959 that the man who stood in the forefront of the activities of God in their country that time, in the forefront, the most renowned minister, the one that everybody ran to, to hear what the Lord is saying. The Lord said to him at the end of 59 that by the end of 65, I am removing him. Why? He said he's leading the body of Christ astray. He said, if you read, go and read, I believe in visions. All these stories are in there. There's another man he mentioned that the Lord said to him that tell that man he has to judge himself concerning money and concerning walking in love towards other ministers. And the man was a gluten. He used to eat anyhow. That this man needed to judge himself concerning these things. Make a long story short. He was still in his 30s. A vibrant minister. One of the biggest ministers in, the, in their country at that time. Suddenly, he dropped and died. He didn't make it to the age of 40. The same prophet told us, the Lord told him himself, that if you continue the way you are going, if I left you to go that way, with all your anointing, the, some of the books we are reading from Ken Hagen and messages we are listening to from him today, he preached when he was a young man in his 30s, 40s. But the Lord said to him, he would not have lived beyond the age of 55. Anointed, but would die early. Anointing does not save your life. You know, I keep on saying that thing. The fact that you're a man of God does not make you safer than somebody who... Sometimes people say, that, ah, if this can happen to a man of God, hey, what about the rest of us? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Men of God die. No men of God die. Is that English good? Non-men of God. What is whether you're... It's the childness of God in you, not the manness. You get my point. It's not whether you're anointed or not that preserves your life. That was why David said, ah... Don't touch Saul. Don't touch Saul. Don't touch Saul because I have realized if you touch him, you will not be guiltless. How did he know that? And I found out from scriptures, Samuel explained it to him. David had to learn certain principles by which he operated. The only, his life, the was scattered his life. The Bible tells you that he did everything that pleased God apart from the case of Uriah the Hittite. Why? I'm telling you, it was simply because Samuel had instructed him. There are things that Samuel told him not to do. I am convinced in my heart. Two things Samuel told him not to do that he did gave me a lot of trouble. Don't number Israel was a commandment from Samuel. He had told the other men that this was Samuel said we shouldn't do. That other people came and pressurized him to do it one day. He went and did as Joab reminded him. Sir, we are not supposed to do this. How did Joab know? I'll tell you. Because earlier in life he had told them. These are the instructions I got from Samuel. I'm convinced. Listen, how do you think David knew the things that he knew? I read in between the lines. Lines in scriptures. I read in between the lines. Someone was explaining that book, book of Judges and Ruth. Alright? First Samuel. They were all written by Samuel. Why? To prepare Israel to receive their king, David. That tells me something. Samuel had instructed David again and again. He told him the do's and don'ts for kings. 
You know, remember, if, if, I've mentioned this many times. If you go and read um, what God you call this book, Proverbs. Many of what you call the Proverbs of Solomon, they were the Proverbs of David. The first eight chapters, for sure, were the Proverbs of David. These were things that Samuel taught David. Things David found out over time. I'm convinced in my heart, two things Samuel told him not to do that he did. One, numbering Israel. Two, he was not careful to avoid other men's wives. For their times and their seasons, God allowed him. You can take many wives, no problem. You can have concubines, no problems. But please, thou shalt not commit adultery. The man went against those rules, and they scattered his life. The result, his life was scattered. The man was careful otherwise. Twice he had the opportunity to kill Saul. But he had been warned. You don't do that. These are the rules of engagement in this thing. You allow God to by himself bring you to his throne, to the throne at his own time. Don't touch the king that's before you. Otherwise, you will not be guiltless. It's one major reason Absalom couldn't do anything to David. It's one major reason everybody that plotted against him failed. Because Saul, his, the blood of Saul was not on his hands. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. What do we do? You protect your anointing. You don't expect it to protect you. You do protect the anointing. That's why David said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You protect the anointing. That's why we read the other day. What's the name of that scripture? Let not those who are um, hoping you be ashamed because of me. That's somewhat. 60 what now? Okay, 69, verse 6. I read from verse 5. He said, oh God, it is you who knows my folly. And my wrongs are not hidden from, hidden from you. May those who wait for you not be ashamed because of me or through me. Oh Lord, God of hosts. May those who seek you not be dishonored through me or because of me. Oh God of Israel. Now listen. What the anointing does, it brings you prominence a lot of times. Like we said, it brought David favor. Of course, we know in David's case, it made him a king in Israel. It made him an effective king. In Israel, David established the kingdom of God. He conquered every promised land that was promised and more. Israel became an empire. People around were paying tributes to David. And everybody knew how it happened. Everybody understood that the Lord his God was with him. Everybody knew that David was small, yet God raised him. They knew who his father was. They remember the story. They remembered he was a shepherd boy. They rem- of course, the story was now widespread. He was a small boy that was anointed. He was a small boy that the Lord built to be a great man of war. He was a boy whose anointing, with the anointing of God upon him, made him a giant killer. So they knew God was on his side. He was known as the God of David. David was already a phenomenon, you understand? Just that name alone. So anything he did, God did it. I hope you are getting my point. And that was why when he killed Uriah and took Bathsheba, God said, forgiveness is one thing. Setting my own personal record straight is another issue. That's what he did. God punished him well. You understand? It's like, because you have made the name of God to be blasphemed amongst the Gentiles, we have to make it clear that we don't approve of this. So those who had understanding saw the Lord discipline David. And you know the truth? He took the discipline with humility. Everybody knew what was going on. Listen, if David had done what he did and he was a small man, only his streets knew him. The Lord would have given him a small problem that only the streets would be aware of. But the one he saw, my father in heaven, 
David was twi- trending on Twitter for a long time. Every post was, you know, what is it dislike? The name David became odious. God knew what he was doing. He wanted to set the record straight. Why? Because David was carrying the name of God. So that's why he prayed this prayer. He said, may those who wait for you not be ashamed through me. Do not let those who trust in you be ashamed because of me, O sovereign Lord of heaven's armies. Don't let me cause them to be humiliated, O God of Israel. That's New Living Translation I just read there. What's the point I'm making? We have a duty to protect that anointing. It's a job that he has given us. The anointing will not save your life. It doesn't preserve your life. It does not give you the right, listen to this, to break the laws of God. I need to say this to ministers. You know, there's, there's this man of God deception that people have. You know, it took me a while to know people actually thought such nonsense thoughts. That, how will you think that kind of thing? That you assume that because, and listen, can I quickly add this? Men of God have it. Great workers for God also have it. They have this unconscious thing that God owes me. Do you know how much I have given to him? He owes me. The thing that I have given a lot to the ministry, to the kingdom. I have labored for God. I have done this for God. I have lived righteously for God. They have so many things they have done for God. Unconsciously, they think God owes them. So that once in a while, they can just do something bad. I don't know whether you are getting my point. I mean, think about it. After I did evangelism in all the cities of Nigeria, I mean, let's count Muslims alone. 50,000 Muslims give their lives to Christ. If I just commit small, God is supposed to overlook now. Balance that with 50,000 Muslims that became converted. It's an unconscious touch in our hearts. Many of us think that the fact that they are laboring night and day, they will say, eh, because I'm delivering the children of God, God will take care of my children. That equation does not work. It doesn't work. It's like saying I've eaten healthy all my life. Small poison shouldn't kill me. Does that work? That calculation does not work. See, you know, <laughs> let me tell you something. I was raised in a, that's, as a Christian at this ministry, I was, I was studying the word of God on campus those days. And as we began to learn, you know, the things about ministry. I was raised where there were no men of God. My fellowship didn't have men of God. We had senior brothers. Now, almost every fellowship on campus now is attached to one church in town that has a big bishop or something. Those days, when we were on campus, apart from deeper life, I'm not aware of any fellowship we had on campus that had any big man over us from outside. There was none. We, on University of Benin um, campus, we have about 12 fellowships. I'm thinking of them now. In fact, at least four of them were started in recent times by the boys who were still there. I hope you're getting my point. Now, I grew up in a setting where we agreed that we disagreed. Did you hear what I said? We all agreed that we disagreed with the establishment that was like over us. So we didn't have any men of God. All our preachers were brethren. They were senior brothers. Occasionally, we had senior, more, more senior brothers from outside who were yesterday senior brothers on campus. But they were still brothers. The truth is that titles... Like I told you, people started calling me Pastor Banky as a joke. We're not tied to people. There were no titles. Everybody was brother, this brother, this. Was I, the, the pastor's title started as a joke, and I'll be honest with you. If I had my choice to start again, I wouldn't use it. Yeah, I'm being honest with you. Many of you may have heard me say it before. I, just that it's, it's a stock. But for me, when it began, it was play amongst guys. 
Once he was showing flair for ministry, he said, hey, pastor man, pastor man. This guy said, that's what we call ourselves, pastor man. You understand? We used titles like pastor man, preacher man. You know, it was just like, you know, preacher man. You know, we just played with it. So I, I, I just got, in fact, the brother who was the uh, president of my fellowship before me, I talked about him last time. He was the first person we call pastor. It was just play. Our fellowship, the head was called general coordinator. The pastor was not an official title. Till now, if you check our lookout correspondence, our official listen, when we enter that lookout place, everything is brother, this sister, this brother, this, that's what we use officially till today. I hope you're getting my point. Now, why am I telling the story? So for that reason, I didn't have, I didn't know anybody that had a man of God attitude. This is, I see young boys being destroyed on campus. What do I mean? They had a fellowship, they have two PAs. The little moron is wearing suit on campus. I'm sorry I have to say it like that. What is wrong with you wearing a t-shirt and a pair of jeans? I instruct you, go and buy t-shirts. Do you know how long it takes today to dress like this today? It was work. You know, this guy won't marry and this boy won't make me dress like this today. How many times is he for suit? I was ironing. Looking for ties. I, I, I see half ties. Some of you don't know. I see half ties. This would have dust on. <laughs> I didn't cover it well. I had to dust it where it was dusted. Do you hear what I said? I had to dust from where it had been dusted. So why will a student want to punish himself with this kind of thing? You know, this, this world is really upside down. And that's the student union president driving E-class. They call it SUG. Office, the presidency. <laughs> one day I went with one of our brothers to go and see the vice chancellor of UNN. So here and I, I don't know how we got there together. I think we, we, I think we even left Enugu together. Let's go to UNN. So I, I have something else to do on campus. He wanted to go and see the VC. So I go to the gate of the VC's house. So he had a letter. So the security man at the gate looked at us inside the car. He said, can I help you? He said, from the presidency. So the security man thought it was a bloody student <laughs> that came from the presidency of the student union. So the guy said, what is the problem? What do we want? So the guy explained that he has a message from the presidency. Nigeria, that's real Asorok that needs to deliver to the vice chancellor. <laughs> so he brought out the letter. The guy said, oh, I'm so sorry. When you said president, I thought student union president. <laughs> that was when he let us in, when he saw the letter. But, you know, when we said president, we were feeling happy. Like, where we are called. He literally was doing something for a special um, advisor to the president. So, of course, they are in the presidency. So, they had a message for the VC. So, they allowed us to see the VC that day. All right? And, in fact, he came out to see us. We talked for some time. You understand? He delivered the message, and then we left. But, you know, student union government. The government of student union. Abi? You know, they call it student union government. So, student union is now a, a nation. On campus, you now see the kind of cars they drive. You just know this world is upside down. Whoever will be the greatest amongst you is the driver, is the driving the best cars of all, instead of being the servant of all. Now, as for students, you know I don't have a problem. It has crept into the church. You now see student presidents calling themselves. One young woman came to see me one day. Well, he didn't come to see me. A friend linked her that she should see me. I will help her with something. I refused to see her. Do you know why? 
When she called me on the phone, she introduced herself as, let's assume her name is Jane. Say, Pastor Jane. I, I said, I told my wife, this girl doesn't have sense. She has no home training. You don't have home training. No, I'm serious. My father said, tell her to, I said, come to whose house? You want to talk to me? Do I look like your mate? Pastor what? Because a fellowship carries small picking like you. Give and tie to anoint, uh, tie to pastor. You want to be going around society harassing people like us. If I meant you, eh? People like this, I should be kneeling down. You know, you see small, I tell campus people. I said, listen, this title you are giving yourself will destroy you. You see a 19-year-old girl, they are calling you mama, and you are collecting the title. Say, please, eh? thank you, please. I am not mama. I am I'm sister. I mean, literally, don't want the title. Don't want it. If you see the way they have destroyed young people on campuses, because somebody anoints them, I keep on telling them, when we're in school, we wore jeans and T-shirts and turn our caps backwards. You are students. Why can't you wear jeans and T-shirt? You know, see small, small boys want to be wearing suit every day. And they always fail. They know they know book. How can you know book now? They don't know anything. See, if you're dressing like this, everything is to go to class. Your head is not correct. Your head is totally incorrect. Let me tell you what you are doing. You are, it's like you see Peter on the boat and he's dressed like this. He says he's a fisherman. Say why? I say because he's a pastor. You are a poultry farmer. You are on your farm because they call you pastor. You go to where should go with this thing. So they do foul things. You know what I mean by foul? They are doing foul things. And you are dressed like this. You shouldn't dress like this. And being a student is a profession. It's a profession of jeans and t-shirt and canvas. You know why jeans? So you don't have to wash it all the time. You don't have to go to a dry cleaner. This will you see me wearing. Let me tell you a bit about it. I don't take it to every dry cleaner. There's one guy that helps us to dry clean. Me and Yinka will, Yinka will see him personally. And say, Pastor says he wants his suit handled by you and you don't iron it. I don't let them iron my suit for me. <laughs> iron this suit. I can't risk it. If that's why I think I would say, the guy would tell the guy, say, please, oh, no. Pastor said, no, don't. The guy would, he owns the establishment. He will supervise the dry cleaning by himself and make sure nobody touches with an iron and give it to me unironed. And I go back home, lay my hands on it, and it will become straight. <laughs> I didn't say I won't put iron in my hands, but I just say I will put. Now, you want to do that to go to class? Your ministry will never manifest. I can't afford to do that. I can hang many of them in my wardrobe. Like I just told you now that I told me, I think I will talk. The guy is his friend. So I have some. You are a student. If another student volunteers to do it for you, you should know that you are wasting his time. Sometimes I say, the way people want to worship uh, pastors, one day one brother, I sat him down. I called him that day, I was so angry with him. I told him straight, I said, people like you die early. I, I told him. And we pastors, when you are there, will replace you sharp, sharp. You are plenty. I always say we, even if I'm not doing the bad thing, just so that I won't be like as if I'm doing holier than thou. 
Yeah, you'll be talking, what have you done for pastor? What have you done? Have you given him your blood? Now, where was he talking? You know where he was speaking from? Because we read last time from First Corinthians chapter 11. About those three men of David that broke through the camp of the Philistines to go and fetch water to David, for David to drink. And David said that this is the blood of his men. So I said, no. So I told him, I said, I know where you are quoting from. I said, why don't you tell the whole story? I said, when the blood came, did David drink it? I said, the, I said, you don't read the whole story. I said, the real man of God did not drink it. He said, it's too expensive. Boys, don't do it again. Throwing, out the, throwing away the water did many things. One of them was to tell those men, don't do it next time. I won't appreciate it. You have to mitigate these things for people. Young people are by nature impulsive. They want to do something that they are not supposed to do. You tell a student, a, a fellow student, he wants to cancel lecture because he wants to help you iron it. You tell him that his head is not correct. Say, bros, going to class is more important than me wearing a suit. But I say young people, they, they, you know, the old people have, they have taken the pastor office, elevated it, told God to shift small so that boys can have where to sit. Yes, now they have to. Um, um, as if they are becoming like gods. And that young woman called, told me on the phone. She said, "I'm part of this." I told my wife, "I'm not talking to him, or to her. I'm not." I said, "She doesn't have home training." If you are talking to me, come on, give me your first name. Are we mates? You give me your first name. If I decide to add pastor later, accept it with humility. And trust me, I won't. <laughs> me, where they vex already. Before you call me, I don't provoke. You, I won't. I just feel it's not good for you. You are too young for that. You go to NYC camp, you want to be treated specially. No, lie down on the bunk. Lie on the floor. Put mattress on the floor. Sleep there. No, it pains me for young people. Though. What they are doing to them these days. The time they are supposed to be serving, they are waiting to be served. The time you are supposed to be serving, you are accepting service. No. It's too early. It's too early. You are in school? No, don't accept service. Wash your own clothes. Wear your jeans. Fly your shirt. I'm not saying it shouldn't be neat. I hope I get my point. You can wear your jeans, talk your clothes. But this idea of looking for suits to wear all the time, you not go to with empty heads, you, do, you, you will even miss class. And of course, the day of exam, you can lay hands all you want on that paper. If you know no book, you know no book. Anointing will not help you. I hope you're going to say, I lay my hands on those paper right now. Physics begin to calculate yourself. Listen, prophesy from that to tomorrow. You will fail. Let me leave that. I hope some young people are listening to me. When you make you a leader on campus, you're supposed to be a real servant. A real servant. Nobody should be. Let me, let me leave that. Let me leave that. Why I talked about that is that, so you see, we didn't have that, you know, I'm not saying we're holier than other people. But the structure had not been spot like it has been today. So we didn't know that as laborers in the vineyard, we, we needed something, we deserved anything extra. We didn't. We didn't know that. Nobody was there to spoil us with that. So by the time I came out, it was a shock to me. When I started meeting ministers with the entitlement mentality, who think they are special because they are ministers? Who think because you give them pastor title, life will treat them differently? I hope you're getting my point. I, I, I mean, I was, I was surprised. 
I remember one guy, the way he was fighting for his title. Yeah, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor. What is it? You do, I don't need the title pastor. Remove, see, remove the author page from the books I have written. Read the book. If you are blessed, I'm okay. Paul said, are we apostles? He said, no, ask yourself. That's, that just ask yourself. That you are the proof of our apostleship. When I came to your city, was, were you not a sinner? No, be asked, <laughs> When I met you, you were a court member. Were you not on drugs? I spoke the word to you. One day, you were delivered from drugs. Do I still need to prove to you I'm an apostle? Ah, were all of you not bound to sin and iniquity? Worshipping dead gods and in bondage to all kinds of vices? I finished preaching to you. Look at how clean and perfect you are today. And you are still saying I should bring certificate. Photocopy yourself. You are my certificate. <laughs> Some people fighting for title. When this man was in certain establishment, when it's time to make dicking, they will be sending him free recharge card. Corruption. Ask him. He's not the one asking, you know. You have a good on your hair, 5,000 credits. Say, God bless you, sir. I just said, let me greet you today. He knows what they are looking for. I beg go include my name for ordination because he was the chief ordinator. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I manufacture my own English. And I'll be asking, why? Then when they now make somebody dicky, you now kill cow. They, they will even print souvenirs. Come and rejoice with me, I'm not a dicky. You know, when I began to so, so, see such things there, it, it, it surprised me. I said, what? People do this? People do this for what? Unconsciously, they carry that into the realm of the spirit. They think God recognizes their titles. So if I do small evil, then God will just overlook it. After all, my church has made me a deacon. I'm not a pastor. Why did you want to say the last time? Who was saying it? I think it, one of these men, sure. all these people that we just together at the end of service. You know, someone said that they entered church, they entered the plane, and they saw a man of God there. And they said, ah, if this man is here, no shaking. Brethren, don't even joke about it. That is a lie. If I let me tell you, when you see a man of God, go down. Yes. Say, Pastor, you're there here. My body passed the toilet, I they come. Say, but oh, no, 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 leave and leave, I they go. Just come. What is it? Pastor, you're on that flight. Because you don't know which Jonah is going to Tashish. I'm telling you, you don't know which Jonah is going to Tashish. But people now think that, ah, this man of God is there. Listen. Let me not just start counting for you. Do you know how many men of God have died in those plane crashes and vehicle accidents? Just like average people die. In fact, they die more. Because once you're a teacher, your judgment is everything a double, double. Everything a double, double. Promotion a double, double. Judgment a double, double. Everything a... Hey, when we say everything, it's everything. No? People they sing everything. They think they... God said, I can speak English. <laughs> I can speak English. But unconsciously, we think that uh, once we are men of God, then the anointing will protect us if we are flying. In fact, you know the truth. You don't know whether the man is going to where they say he should not go. It's like, imagine Balaam is going. He said, do you want to ride on my donkey? He said, nothing for Balaam's donkey can never have problems. You jump on Balaam's donkey. When Balaam dodged, now you, the angel, go strike. <laughs> 
I know what I'm telling you. So when you see Balaam riding, say, Brother Balaam, I'll take the next donkey because I don't want any angel on my case. Because disobedient men of God suffer. And you don't want to be joined as collateral damage. But why I told that story, they gave that illustration, that people unconscious in our hearts, who think that God will protect him more than other people. You want to hear? It's not true. In fact, it's better for you to say, man of God, I'm about to enter that, the, a plane next to your own. Lay hands on me. So if he lay hands on you, anointing can protect you. Then leave him to go and whatever. I hope himself. <laughs> but that anointing, uh, that man of God that I, was, I referred to earlier, that God said he would remove. Listen, I've heard two accounts of the story. When he crashed in that accident, he had his hand laid on his wife and she survived. He died. Because they say he was trapped. I heard that one. He was trapped in the car. It took them almost an hour to free him. He asked his son, how is mama? That one said, I think she's dead. He said, there's no problem. Take my hand. Put it on her. She lived. He died. This is something about the anointing. When you are carrying it, treat it, you know, take care of it. Understands that this is double judgment you have carried. So you are twice as pure as normal. So as to reduce your risks. That's the point we are making. That's the point we are making. You are more careful. When you hear scandals, men of God involved in adultery and all of that, you go and pray. Say, Lord, some have been made for, made eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom. Say, Lord, I volunteer. I'm telling you the truth. Not for yourself, but for the sake of the anointing. For the sake of the person whose name you carry. But I see a lot of this, a lot of this is recklessness because the people think they are protected by the anointing. I say to you again, it is not true. You are not. You are closer to judgment. Harsher judgment too. More severe ones. I say all the time, Saul would have fared better in life if he was never made king. Think about what I've said. If Saul was never made king in Israel, he would have fared better. His, dis- his disobedience would not have amounted to much. You will not see a prophet telling you the Lord has taken the kingdom from you. You won't see a prophet telling you, I told you not to sacrifice until I come. You won't hear, there will be no temptation to, 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 to sacrifice anyway. And no prophet will have given you any sacrifice in the first place. You'll have lived your mediocre life for the next hundred years. No book will have written about you, but at least you won't have God angry with you every time. That for generations to come, they'll be make, mentioning your name in infamy. It wouldn't have happened. What set up Saul for such a terrible life was that anointing they placed upon him. As soon as the unction was placed upon him, he needed to discipline himself. He needed to respect prophetic words. He needed to know how to separate between what a king should do and what a prophet should do. And what a priest should do. There are temptations that normal people don't have. If you're not a king, what are you doing trying to sacrifice anything? You will not have had any trouble with any prophet challenging your authority. But people who don't know, they are looking for titles. You see people go to church, they are waiting for promotion. And I look at it, you are waiting for promotion. <laughs> you are waiting for promotion. You don't know that. James made it clear. No, you shouldn't want it. Because every time you set, sign up for it, you have signed up, he said, for double judgment. Everybody may offend in words. No problem. There are words just for them and their household. In fact, their children don't even listen to them anyway. But when you are a preacher like I am, 
Maybe you don't realize something. That's one reason why if, we, if, we preach, if I preach a message today, you don't get it immediately unless you preach it outside. The ones on the, we put on the, this, the social media, they take them after a short while and replace with an edited version. Because I have to listen and be sure my facts are correct. Do you know ordinary historical facts? I cross-check before we republish. If I tell you that in 1968 this happened, I go back home, Google up. When did it happen? I said 67, that story is removed. That reference is removed. Because once it goes out, the next hundred years, and be, I, I, listen, this is not pride. Currently, I'm a reference. Pastor Banky said this is already being used by people. One of our brothers said I went for an interview. The only reason he got the answer right, they asked him a particular question, was because he had heard me teach. And I talked about SAP. And I was talking about the days of Abangida. The term SAP happened. I had Nigeria. So they asked them about structural adjustment program, which head of state introduced in Nigeria. All the people that came for the interview, nobody knew. But because they had been hearing me teach the word of God. So imagine if I had told him when go on, started SAP. <laughs> I have just cost a young man his job. I hope you are getting my point. Listen, you heard me call some prophets, false prophets. I don't say it lightly. I know it's going out. There are times I've had to go and pray and examine very well the things I'm saying. I say, no, I'm right. Let people quote it. This man was a false prophet. And I say with boldness. I don't say something lightly because I know it's a reference. People are going to quote it in arguments. And God doesn't joke about it. When he wanted to punish the house of Jeroboam, he punished him for two things. The sin he committed, number one. The one he made Israel commit, number two. So when you carry the anointing of God, you watch yourself. You guard yourself. You keep the anointing jealously. Knowing that the anointing doesn't do anything for you personally. It just makes you effective in the assignment that the good Lord has placed in your hands. That's all. Don't expect it to give you money. You are forbidden from monetizing it. Looking at it as a source of money. No. Jesus actually told the people, he warned them, freely you have received. Freely give. I've seen. <laughs> also, okay with it. You know when we want to lie, we'll carry this scripture. You know, there are times we'll finish, we'll finish quoting scriptures and twisting. God will say, I beg, give me that Bible. Let me check. Because... <laughs> Jesus will open his Bible and say, what did this boy just say? You know what the mom man said? Because he is in a money raiser. He said, when Jesus said, freely you have received, it means without obstruction. He said, he never said free. That there's a difference between free and freely. And then you know, something when we are lying, the world will be bouncing it. You'll be doubting yourself. You that knew the truth. <laughs> when I want to tell this lie, we will make you that know the truth doubt yourself. The guy was there that day. He said, there's a difference between free and freely. He said, I'm a man of God. I don't, I'm not ashamed. I don't joke about this. Since I came to the woman's house, I said, how much do you have? She told me, is it 50 or 200,000? I first collected it, put it in my bag. Then I went ahead to pray. He said, free and freely are two different things. Freely means to flow. To flow. Free means without payment. He said, so I collect payment so my anointing can flow freely. This guy wants to fit when they hear him. <laughs> yes, I was there when the man of God said this. I took it so the anointing can flow freely. Because she does not sow a seed, 
I'm adding new words now. There will be obstruction to flow. Lie. Love of money. What Jesus said to them clearly, I haven't charged you anything for this. You are not making returns to me. Don't place any price on it when you have to give it to people. Ken Hagen, a prophet that blessed me so much, said the Lord told him clearly, be careful about money. Be careful about money. He said, the Lord said, listen, no, the interesting thing about that testimony. He said, what I, what I say to one, I say to all. When the Lord appeared to him and they spoke for at length, told him the anointing had placed in his hands and all of that. He said, the Lord got up to leave and then turned back. I said, hey, one last thing. He said, there are two things I want to warn you about. He said, number one, for everything that will happen, remember to give the glory to me. You know how many times he said that? Once. He said, number two, be careful about money. Then he repeated that one and said, be careful about money. That is, Jesus realized that the love of money is more dangerous than that one love of glory. And he told him that many of my servants who have anointed like this, they have made a shipwreck of everything because of their love of money. Let me tell you something about the anointing. It brings the glory of God. Now, this is why I said that, so I can say this, all right? That's why. The Hebrew word for glory is weight. So Paul, speaking like a Hebrew man, said, there's a weight of glory. He was bringing it from Hebrew to Greek. Because glory is weighty. It's weighty. It's weighty. Sometimes what it does is to bring pride into your heart. That's why I had to say to them, thou shalt remember. It is the Lord thy God that gives you the power to make wealth. Because he said, what will happen is that when your flock multiplies, all that you have multiplies, then you will forget the Lord thy God. You will say, my own strength, my own might, my own strength brought me this strength. Or literally, that's Hebrew, literal Hebrew. My own strength brought me this might. He said, boy, you must remember. That's what the anointing does. It starts making you feel like you are holy. I've seen people say, well, I know how many hours we prayed. It is not the number of hours you prayed. They say, we are paying a price for the anointing. Rehan Bonke said, there is a purchase. He said, it's no longer a gift. You know, it's, you purchased it. He said, if you say we are praying, you paid a price. He said, then you bought it. A Nigerian, the other day that won a Grammy. You get my point here. Huh? When they interviewed him, I shook my head. See, if that guy does not change, I don't think he will last the next five years. I don't think so. I won't mention his name because we're broadcasting these things. I don't think it will last the next five years. I put an if to it. If he doesn't change. It's an if. And it's if is going to be publicly manifested. He will confess his sins. He will change his ways. Because I heard him speak once or twice. I'm not into secular music and all of that. It's just because it becomes news articles. When you win a Grammy, of course, everybody will talk about it. When they interviewed him, he said, there are two things he said. 
which I realized that idiocy is plenty in his environment. One, he said, I deserved it. He said, yeah, I deserved it. Even Stephen Wonder knows you don't deserve, any, deserve anything. Men who have been there, men who vote, they know nobody deserves anything. He said, I deserved it. First one, I said, this boy not get sense. Oh, foolish Nigerian. Second one, he said, this is a kind of country. He said, another time. It's a country where in that leaders don't do what they are supposed to do. If the leaders had been there encouraging young people, I would have won the Grammy five years ago. I couldn't pray for him that God forgive his, him. No, no, I said, no, God. You have to discipline this boy. Because if you, if you don't, small boys, small girls will not learn anything. Your sign of forgiveness for him was that he must repent. You know, you'll forgive anyhow like that. You'll be giving a bad example to people. After observing him and some other things he did, I said, this boy can last next, more than the next five years. I'm not judging. I'm not saying, God, make sure doesn't like, I'm not judging like that. I'm looking at it from my spiritual insight. I don't think I'll be wrong. Five years, the boy will try. If he does more than that, they must have repented somewhere along the line. I'm not saying give your life to Christ. Too. I just mean just change that thought process. Because, I mean, back to our own issue. Many of us ministers, it gets to us like that. We think we have keys. <laughs> the one that makes me laugh is those who think they have a key to church growth. You want to not teach young people the key to unlock <laughs> yes, the city, unlock large congregation, unlock mega church. I'm sorry to say, when you say everybody talking like that, eh? you just laugh. Listen to what he has to say, because Jesus said, <laughs> you, see the, you see the Pharisees, they sit in the seat of Moses. Said, do as they say, not as they do. Sometimes you are listening to people. They can just, you may catch some things, but just know he doesn't know anything. A man can receive nothing unless it is given to him from above. And don't forget the story of Nebuchadnezzar. When God wanted to prove to him he doesn't know how to do it, he removed him from the sin and it was still done. The Lord first removed him from the sin. Then he had Babylon grow and work stronger and become mightier than before. Then he brought him back. He said, bros, have you seen now? The guy said, I worship the God of heaven. Anointing has a way, all right, of turning your head. You think you are holier than other people. You fasted more. So when you see some people talk about their fast, I fasted for 40 days, 60 days. I said, you don't even get respect. If I were you, I would stop the fast on the 39th day. Say, Lord Jesus, you know you did 40 days. We don't want to match you. Leave her like that. They said they fasted. Listen, fasting is not by struggle. If you are fasting and your stomach is paining you, go and drink something. Chew something. The hunger is a distraction. God does not reward you because you are hungry. Did you hear what I said? Some of you are looking, look at the way you're looking at me. You did dream of something when you were falling asleep just now. <laughs> Whether you are hungry or not, God will still answer you. Sometimes people just eh, they fast, you fasted for, 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 for three weeks. So I've seen people who've died fasting. And that's not a joke. You don't forget, I trained to be a pathologist. 
I was told to conduct an autopsy once when I was in Luz on a pastor. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. I'm telling you the truth. He fasted. Then as soon as he ate something after breaking the fast, his stomach burst. So if you think that God is intimidated by your hunger, you get one boy for this Enugu. He was a fasting contractor. Once I heard that boy's story, I knew he was going to die. Of course. By the time I heard the story, I think the second time, or by the first time, he was already dead. He said, you can't be a fasting contractor and you will live. All the people, you know what they used to do? They used to give him money to fast. People that have problems will come. They will go to one prophet, you know, all kinds of juju people are around, calling themselves prophets of Jesus Christ. Now we'll say, you need to fast five days. The guy said, ah, I can't fast five days, so I'm sick. It's okay, this guy will fast for you. It was a fasting agent. I'm not joking about it. This young man used to fast. He was a fasting contractor. And he used to do it all. So for your sake, say, what is your name? My name is and, um, Andrew Phillips. Okay, good. So, Father, I'm fasting for Andrew Phillips. All the fasting I'm doing, you know, I'm going to the cross to die for his sin. There's no wahala. After some time, he fell sick and died. If you think fasting impresses God, forget that. Christian fasting impresses him. You must understand, God said there is a kind of fast I have chosen. I'm not talking about that now. But no, there, is a, there are different types of fasts, and there is one which God chose. What am I going to emphasize? Let's not have this entitlement mentality. Many people think that they are so good, that's why God has given them something. Because, you know, they are, they are, you know, you see them, and it's so painful. They now start taking advantage of the anointing. In that process, they get destroyed. What are you supposed to do? Guard it. What are you supposed to do? Keep it. Protect it. Protect yourself, the carrier of the anointing. Don't even let you wear, because, you see, there's one danger, you know, when I was serving those days, many of us here have been to NYC camp. One of the things in NYC camp, remember, is endurance trek. You remember endurance trek? Endurance trek. Is it one in the camp thing? So one day all of you are going to go for endurance trek. And that day we started, we started very early, 5 a.m. We had left our camp in Wukari. And we began to walk. I was supposed to walk, I think, 20 kilometers or so. I can't remember how many kilometers. You know, the military men that were <laughs> carrying us on the trek. You know, soldiers are not normal human beings. They have, they have a different kind of energy. But they're also wise. Our camp commandant, one captain, he has looked at all of us, all these mommy's boys and mommy's girls. So after we trekked in this, I said they should turn, we start going back to camp. And some of them said, oh, God, no, no, let's continue going. The man said, pray, son, everybody, turn around. We're going back right now. Oh, would they complain? We didn't know the man had more sense than all of us put together. <laughs> because shortly after we started going back to camp, now we begin collapse, one by one. <laughs> Most of us couldn't make it back to camp trekking. You know, when we're going, we're still feeling, you're fresh. The sun was not out at all. It was 5 a.m. in the morning when we set out. 
And it was fun. You know, you're with your guys. You're just, you're walking, you're singing. You're, 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 you know, you're, you, you know, we're doing, morale high. We're doing everything. <laughs> the man look all of us. These boys, they don't know how far. We reached the point said they should turn. We should start going back to camp. Of course, by that time, the sun is beginning to open the eyes small, small. The sun don't they wake up. Our energy was depleted. We did not know. So on our way back, it now began to show. It was getting hot. People, people were jumping truck past the boys would jump. When no soldier is looking, you jump on truck. At least truck will carry a few kilometers down the road. A lot of people made it back jumping on trucks. Passing. I never forgot that experience. Because he let me know that that strength you thought you had. The man already knew he's about to finish, but you're still feeling strong. You see where I'm going. See this anointing? It's like that too. When it's upon you, hey, you want to move mountains. You want to do everything. There's something about anointing. As you are using it, anointing not the tire. Then when it goes, like when the thing don't finish, then your body will now realize that bros. Now 50 kilometers will just trek so. Go back now. Not say, no, 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 no. The war for today is finished. You almost, not almost, you will wear out. And many ministers have worn themselves out like that because the anointing kept on moving. So we learned from Kenehig in those days. He said, he said he has timing. He, he times himself. After ministering for some time, when he starts suspecting he's about to get tired, he will be surprised. He will just, he will go away. You know, anointing is flowing. The man will get up and just walk away. Ah, okay, wait. Say, I'm tired. And he said, no. The spirit of the prophet said, I need to be able to come back tomorrow to minister again. He began to explain to us how many ministers wore themselves out until they literally became sick. One man, he was traveling. Oh, let's take, um, it was train, train those days. Two main ministers, they met at the train station. There were no planes those days when the story was told. So when the train arrived, one minister went to the economy coach. And that one went to this, what they call sleeping coach. And usually those ones are much more expensive than the normal one. So the one going to the poor coach looked at the one going to the rich one. He said, I'm taking care of the lost money. The other one said, I'm taking care of the lost servant. Did you get that? Yes, one said, I'm taking care of the Lord's money. The other one said, bros, I have to take care of the lost servant. Because they are traveling great distances. The higher money he paid meant he get a small cut. So he could lie down and sleep through the journey. The other bros can sit, so he can sleep, or just like you can sleep where you are right now. Can't you? <laughs> you get what I'm saying? He was going to sleep sitting up. And we have realized that, listen, that is not a good use of money. It is more important that the minister lives long than the money lives long. Generally, I fly economy everywhere I have to go. Do you know why? They are short trips. Yes, are, I mean, you leave from here, going to Lagos. From the time you sit on that plane to the time you come down, it's one hour. From all the, reading the announcement, taking off, landing, removing your seat and coming out, is one hour. So I can actually afford to sit straight on a small seat. But Ravi Zacharias in his days spent two-thirds of his life flying. If he was flying the economy, I would have known that he sinned. 
Because, see, when you sit up for 10 hours, you know it's hard. If you have to do it two times in three days, bros, you know, you, you ask yourself, am I really calling to ministry? I'm telling you the truth because people like him, they, you have to buy them business class tickets. It's not, they were not being ostentatious or anything. The man needs to lie down. I remember one day my wife and I were coming back, you know, from the U.S. I remember about three hours before we got to Lagos. I told her the greatest desire of my heart right now is to lie down. I, I so badly want, ah, like Apostle Kemute would say, God punish poverty. Poverty, die by fire. Say amen. Huh? You don't want it to die by fire. <laughs> I, that day, if, this, if there was a way to upgrade myself four hours into getting to Lagos, I for pay. I say, sweetheart, please, I'm coming. Let me go down to the business side. Let, let me go and stretch. What am I going to say? If you are carrying the anointing, I've seen musicians say they performed every night for 350 nights. A Christian must never do that. I don't care how much you think you want to be the one to save the world. Jesus Christ died for the world. Does not include you? I hope you're getting my point. 350 nights. I'm a secular musician. As a preacher, it's not, I don't care. He said, this man used to preach like that's his problem. There's one man of God. He's Israel's friend. So he doesn't sleep. Anytime you call him, he answers. Israel said, you're on your own in that one. I will listen to everything other thing. You say, Jesus said, come outside and do what? Rest for a while. Come outside and rest for a while. Part of taking care of the Lord's anointing is to take care of the Lord's servant. The Lord's servant should know when to sleep. It's not every event you go for. I hope you're getting my point. You don't wear yourself out because you are, what am I going to say? You are carrying a precious gift. Treat that house of clay with care. God gave the body to you to take care of. Because that anointing will not fly in thin air. If you are anointed and you are sick, you are in hospital, you know what? You will not be able to come for, to use the anointing. I hope you're getting my point. Catherine Kuhlman, that was one problem she had. When I read her story, Hey, Catherine Kuma labored and labored and labored on the heart field. And the midst of heart failure, they say rest. He said, no, no, I have to do television show. So finally, the heart cuckoo stopped. And she went home to be with the Lord. What am I going to say? Listen, the anointing is to be protected, is to be guarded, is to be kept well. Don't ever forget that. Don't expect the anointing to take care of you. God has given you the responsibility to take care of it. I found this one out. The anointing sometimes can work where it was not meant to work. L- let me put it like this. Okay. You know money, you know cash. Cash, cash. Money, money. It's, an, it's a form of anointing in that area. Let me explain what I say. You know, if God gives you money, you can do anything you like with it. Yes. You can use it to sponsor the preaching of the gospel. You can use it to help the needy. You can use it to develop education in the society. You can use it to eat until you can't see again. I hope you're getting my point. You can use it to make yourself into a crazy human being. doing everything. You can use it to corrupt young people. Do you understand that? And just by the way, if you're a young man, if you're, if you're middle-aged or whatever, young man, middle-aged, old man, that God gave money and you're using it to confuse young girls, your punishment is double portion. Yeah, I'm not joking about that. If you're a Christian, your case is near hopeless. Unless you repent, 
Now, before I finish this statement, you have repented. Yes. If you are a non-believer, I give your life to Christ. Otherwise, you are going to hellfire. You know I'm not a nice pastor. I, tell, I say things the way they are. God will send you to eternal damnation. Repent and be saved. Because I found out that some of these people that God gave money are wicked. Young people can't think straight. You give an 18-year-old girl an iPhone, she will go mad. It's why when her father can't afford it. She's been thinking it's something she will get in the next 30 years. Then you give it to her. Some of the money you can use to corrupt a young woman costs you nothing. And listen to me, God is holding you specially responsible. I'm not joking. No. You'll just be going home, your car will just jam against a tree, and you will not come out. Apostle, do I sound wicked? I'm just prophetic, right? Thank you. Good, I'm not, I'm not speaking for myself. I'm warning you against the Lord's judgment. That just as an aside. Because I see some of these young men, they, some of these men, they get into power, they give them money. They now think that the money must be used to feed their flesh. God, God will so destroy that your flesh. Eh? See, let me preach to you. Give your life to Christ. The one you have done so far, you can be forgiven. Just say, I was wrong. Now, please, don't go and say, I will now use my money to recover there. You can't recover there. Just go away. Let Jesus do his work. But don't continue in iniquity. That's what we are saying. Don't continue in iniquity. You can be forgiven if you stop and you say sorry. And there's no sorry without stopping. No? If anybody says, grace, grace doesn't, grace worsens your punishment. If you keep saying sorry and you don't stop. Let's get that one clear. So I said that briefly, all right? And I, I mean, I took that detour briefly. I was trying to say something. That, you see, the anointing is funny. Like that money thing. If God gave it to you to preach the gospel, you can use it to advance the kingdom of Satan if you like. The money will still be there. At least for some time. That's an extreme. But let's go back to the middle of the road. Sometimes God gives the anointing, the unction, all right, to build the kingdom of Israel. Your name is David. You know, you can use that same thing to build your personal kingdom. I know the truth about many ministers. That's what they have done. They have built personal empires, and they call them churches and ministries. It's nothing but personal empires. Like I said, the fact that the anointing continues to work tends to mislead people. I hope you're getting my point. Let me give you an example. The best example in this area for now, at least, is those who make music. You know, if you are making music for the Lord, there are two kinds of music you can make. You can make praise worship, what we call church music, you know, praise worship and all of that. Or you can just make good music that instructs people in righteousness and it's not just worship, you know, we worship, hallelujah, let us praise the Lord. No, it's just, it just good music instructing in righteousness. It's very, very possible. Do you understand that? Okay? However, let me quickly warn you ahead of time. If God has given you that kind of talent, that kind of gift, <laughs> he doesn't always make money. You hear what I said? Please say what I said. Actually, it's not supposed to at all. Take your mind from it. Please, what's the name of our guy? Is it Davido? Or Whiskey? They are not your idols. 
if you're a believer. They are not. They are doing their own thing. I'm not here to talk about what they are doing. They are just not your idols if you're a Christian. One day, one of these our big Christian musicians came to Enugu. And I went to where he was. He was talking to people in the church. I went for that, that meeting. And there was a young girl there. This girl had won one of these um, idol kind of thing. And that, you know, they have many of them. Idol, Project Fame. You know, they have different ones. So this young woman had won. Had came top or first runner up in one of them. So she was one of the people singing that night. I don't want to use the word ministry. Let's just say singing because... Ministering is different from singing. Ministering, you are building up faith in my heart and releasing the unction of the spirit. <laughs> singing, you're just using your talent. Let's leave it like that. So that night she was going to sing. So he started saying something, and I was there. He was trying to encourage us to encourage people like her. That he now mentioned one guy in Lagos. That if that guy sells, you know, when they sit down, table, that the guy sells a table for like 100,000. No, one table, and that table can sit maybe like four people. They have tables that go for as high as one million. Like people like Clinton, when they are going, you know, they and their bosses want to meet, or, or Gaffey don't buy one table. Five people, and it's one million, they bought the table. Please don't be angry with those who buy for one million. It doesn't concern you. Is it your money? So just leave it. So it was not saying that, that how many of us will agree to pay 5,000 right now for a seat if this girl is doing a show? So in my mind, I'm not paying one couple. If he said, I will put up my hand, I won't pay. He said, we should encourage people like that. In my mind, how? By paying 5000 for their seats. He said, before you know what's happening, the girl will grow up and sing Free Me. Apparently, one guy that time, is it Eriji? He sang a song called Free Me. Now, I don't know who bound him before, but he sang, he, he sang Free Me. So he was trying to tell us, in effect... That if we don't encourage this young lady, she may sing free me and go to sing in the world. So I tapped the young pastor. The pastor was sitting in front of me. Or was he sitting beside me? I said, who encouraged me to be preaching this preaching I'm preaching? How many seeds did I sell? How many of you have I charged when you're coming here to come and hear the word of God? If we're charging, by now apostles suppose don't buy at least a new car, you know, build a duplex, you understand? And they will free him into prosperity. Is that not so? <laughs> no, I asked the guy beside me. I said, oh girl, if you want to go to hell, I said to my guy, it's your problem, not mine. If you want to go to the world, to go and be singing and become like them, it's your problem. I don't owe you any, see, if you don't love the Lord, I don't, listen, I don't know whether you're getting my point. I said, look, I said, did you come to encourage me? I'm here preaching. Like Paul said, we are the ones treated as the scum of the earth. Because your own is to sing now. We must encourage you. I'm sorry to say it. You're out of your mind. Who told you you deserve more cash than I do? Are you blessing more lives than I am? We're not competing, but just think about it for a moment. You have not even concerned yourself about the number of lives your music has changed. You are saying I should encourage you by buying a seat for 10,000 naira. Sis, ain't buying nothing. I will not buy. In fact, the seat I sit there, I will break it before going out. <laughs> Please, so, if you want to serve God, serve God. What kind of nonsense is this? I told the pastor beside me. I said, what kind of rubbish is this guy telling me? Anybody that wants to sing free me, please sing it. 
God doesn't force anybody, but all of us will face a day of judgment. Because people get confused. The fact that they gave you a voice better than that of um, the people who are making it out there according to you does not mean you must be like them. It doesn't mean it at all. You have to learn to direct your anointing to where God said it should face. I'll give you an example. Just personal discipline. During this COVID period, a classmate of mine, I didn't even know she was chatting with me from the U.S. He said, Banky, please, will you do a... That it, one television wants to interview a doctor in all these COVID, COVID things. He said, so can she give them my name? They will contact me. We will arrange how they will do it. We probably, they don't have to go anywhere. They will do it online and all of that. So they are going to air it, you know, so the way it is. So they will say, yeah. so when she finished, <laughs> I said, my dear sister, this face and this voice, if it's on the media, only preaches the gospel. Oh, she said, oh, sorry. Uh-huh. I said, let's leave it there. I said, this face and this voice, I said, once it shows up on radio, shows up on television, it must be preaching these scriptures. Listen, I'm not exaggerating. Eh? I probably know more about those things than 95% of doctors. No, no, it's not about bragging. It's just the kind of, just, my, just the level I am in life. I, teach, I, mean, I know what I'm talking about. It's not as if I'm not qualified to talk about it. I just said to her simply, I said, my dear sister, once this face is on TV and this voice is being heard across the media, I'm sorry, it only preaches the gospel. Let me tell you the truth, eh? Again, please, I hope I don't sound arrogant. I have a very persuasive voice when I'm teaching. It's not human skill. It's not human skill. It's a gift of God. It's an anointing. God now leaves it to me, my responsibility, to know what I'm persuading people concerning. One of the most persuasive persons I know, and this is an anointed minister. He's not preaching. I still quote it once in a while. He's persuasive. And I know that thing is a remnant. These are the vestiges of the gift of God in his life. But he's not using it. It's one of the disciplines of carrying the anointing of God. I see many preachers. Oh, God, I feel sorry for them. God, have mercy. Direct them my right. You know, I use, this, I use this illustration all the time. Please, let's do something. Everybody, put up your right hand. Just put up your right hand. Okay, put it down. Young and old, male and female, single and married, all of you put up your right hand, didn't you? You didn't ask me for what? You may think it's a joke, but you know what? That's, that's power. That's power. That's what they call power. If I tell you, knock your neighbor. Half of you will have finished knocking your neighbor. Before you say, Pastor, what did you say? <laughs> it's true. I've seen people do it. Say, take that hand into your pocket. Anything you find there, bring it for the Lord. Of course, I like church members. The hunters have learned to shoot without missing. So the birds have learned to fly without perching. We are not stopping again. We are flying away. <laughs> that once we are coming, that people now learn how to keep their bags at home in the car. Forget their checkbook, their ATM, everything. They just take their offering, their plant for you for the day. 
preach from now till tomorrow. That's all you are getting. Listen, many people who use the anointing to raise money, they are sinning against God, but it's still working. Why? That anointing upon the preacher is persuasive. It's the reason why people give their lives to Christ when they speak. If people can give their life to Christ when you are talking, is it their money they can't give? No, think about it. Look, sometimes I see the influence that our voices have with preachers. People want to resign their jobs. They come and see me. I say, my friend, go back to work. And there's no discussion. They, they, they go back to work. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The man has made up my I'm leaving this office. I'm leaving this office. God, let me just talk to pastor before I leave. When I finish, I say, eh, my friend, go back to work. And there's no, there's no explanation. Nothing. Go back to work, my friend. My one brother, he traveled all the way from Abuja to come and see me in Enugu. Traveled all the way from Abuja to come and see me in Enugu. I was in Abuja. He saw me in the church. You know, church protocol. They didn't let him come close. He's my pastor from Enugu now. They said, lie, lie. Now, so I disappeared. This guy looked me. Do you know what he did? Either a plane or car. Next day, he guy came to Enugu. Oh, guy, I saw you in Abuja. He didn't let me see you. Ah, I said, you should have just sent me a note or something now. He said, those guys were so thorough. Ah. I said, okay, what is it? He's a lawyer. So he sat down and told me how he wanted to leave his office. For By the time he finished talking, I looked at him. I said, that's how you traveled all the way from Abuja to Enugu. He said, yes, sir. This is why you came. He said yes. I said, I enter the next vehicle and go back to work. <laughs> that was the end of the discussion. I told you, you are not serious. He said they transferred him from corporate law to litigation. I said, if everybody did what they loved, do you think anybody will be doing anything? You love corporate law, your boss say, go to, says, goes to, <laughs> this English no go keep person. <laughs> your boss says, go to litigation. I said, to litigation, you shall go. You know what he did? He said, yes, sir. And he went back to work. Is it that kind of person that will take clear your account and he won't clear it? I just look at him and said, litigation. Katashoko palata. Your account shall be litigated. Shall be corporated. <laughs> shall be corporated. <laughs> You will clear it right now. That was how I ministered to one brother that day. His name was that time Brother Okemote. Now he's Bishop Okemote. And what did he do? He cleared his account. This man cleared his account. He became bigger than so clean. <laughs> he makes the target. That's why I made it. <laughs> this one cleared his account. Clear your account right now and lay it at the apostles' feet. Apostles' feet will soon get gangrene. I'm warning apostles that they are laying things at your feet. You are misusing your anointing. It's very easy. And you know the truth? Misuse anointing produces quick, quick results. You preach for years, nothing. Misuse for one year, you buy a car and build a house. Misuse for a second year, you build a second house. The third year you misuse, God will just make you sick. Some people are approaching sickness, they don't know. You remember that your guy? He was misusing anointing every day. And that man looked and said, what this man is doing is wickedness. He parked his car, put his head on the steering and died. To misuse anointing is tempting. Because you can sing, they'll come and offer you, listen, we promote you. 
You know the one I was telling people the other day? This world, they are wicked though. This world is a wicked world. Wicked! Wicked. Don't even doubt they are wicked. They lie. They take people's destinies away. Henry Paul, is that her name? Sorry, Helen Paul. I saw an article, an article about her the other day. One promoter, one manager, she liked. She approached the man to please come and manage her portfolio, manage her, you know, her entertainment business, her brand. Thank you. The man said to her straight, "Are you? Re- I would do it. Are you ready to do what I say?" He looked at. She looked at him. And said, "What do you mean?" He said, "I'm going to create two scandals for you." And she's like, what? He said, check those who have 10 million followers on Twitter, on um, what they call it, Instagram. He said, point to one that doesn't have a scandal. He said, a scandal, we used to do it. He said, which kind of scandal? He said, we can use divorce. We can use... The girl look at him like, you have your father, the devil. This is a prize for this? The guy told her straight. So when you hear of leak sex, they have no leak sex. I told you, don't be carried away. These people know what they are doing. They know. Why is Kim Kardashian known worldwide? Sex tape. That's it. This world. So when they see, the Bible says that the adultery hunts for precious lives. The adulteress, I wanted to say. The adulteress hunts for precious lives. So when they see that you are gifted and anointed... They start hunting for you. No, they don't want to kill you. Why do they want to waste the anointing? First thing, they want to use it. They start offering you things. Sing all your songs. Just remove the name Jesus put God there. And that's the first step towards backsliding. Once you've been singing the songs, there's Jesus, there's Jesus. You now remove it and say, God, God. The next power above, power above. Next, power within, power within. Before you know what's happening, you are singing for a new age. We can do it if we come together as one. It sounds nice, but you're already singing for Satan. You don't realize it. The world, a world united, is the solution to everything. That's it. That is Antichrist talk. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. They will tell you that in one world, if we can unite, unity is what we need. Love your brother. Love is love. Have you heard love is love? You know what the meaning of love is love? Whether you love a man or love a woman and you're a man, once it is love, it is love. Before you know, oh, let me not continue. There's one Nigerian literature person. I'm not going to mention her name. That girl, the way I catch her, man. The conk, where I go give her. The conk is good for her so she can discover Christ again, reset her brain. Any device you have, they tend to have a reset. That girl needs reset. Say she, she's a feminist. You're a satanist. Forget this thing. Satanists are playing with you. You say you're a feminist. They come. The adulteress hunts for precious lives. 
When they see you are gifted, they want to use your gift to advance another cause. And listen, it's not cheap. Once you remove Jesus and put God, and you put the power above, instantly you make a million dollars. One million dollars will answer you. They told me when they wanted to hunt for one man. They told him, we invite you for a meeting. If you come for that meeting, we pay you five million naira on the spot. That is, no. Not what if you come. If you agree to come, for you to say, yes, we agree, you agree, it's five million naira. If you actually come, whether you agree to our terms or not, it's 30 million. Do I need to tell you were you to agree to our terms that it is 100 million? These guys are out there. They are hunting for the anointing. Once the anointing is upon you, did you notice that Satan did not tempt Jesus who was anointed? Worship me. Was it before anointing or after anointing? Answer now. After the Holy Spirit had come upon him, he now went into the devil desert to be tempted. You know what Satan wanted? That kind of unction. If he serves my... I don't know whether you are getting it. Holy Spirit came on him. If he serves my purpose, I have everything I need. So many of us have not been tempted because our anointing has not yet arrived. That's right. Anyway, preachers, if be careful. And I was talking about musicians. You don't have to be rich. You can sing and just sing for the Lord. Hang your album on YouTube, on the, on the cloud somewhere. Let the, take your joy from the fact that one day you went into a church for a wedding. And the praise song for the day was the one you wrote. That should satisfy you. Even if it's a keke you brought for the wedding. You should go home and tell your wife or your husband, eh? When I got there today, do you know what they were singing? Jesus forevermore. She says, what? That's my last song, that last year now. Everybody was worshiping. Jesus forevermore. Jesus forevermore. More, 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 more. <laughs> There's no song like that. That's why I'm singing it anyhow. That one, you should, you should go back home and you are happy. You should go back home and you are happy. People have told me how to make money from our website. I said, you know, God taught me that a long ago. Banky, if you want money, ask for it. Don't skim for it. If you want, just ask why. Say, Lord, I want you to give me one billion naira. I'm not saying I'll give you, but just ask. And if I think you need it and you can persuade me, I will give you. So right now, I don't have a problem. I can just go out of here and say, Lord, I want 10 billion. The Lord said, Banky, are you serious? Actually, I'm not. I just wanted to say I've asked. Say, how much do you really want? Just make it 2.5 million. Maybe me and guys take and chop chicken. You know what he will do? He will send it. He will send it. So when you see me say, we are hanging out like worship and sex control by the beginning of next year to be free for download. The only thing I'm going to get joy from eh, is counting the number of clicks. As they are clicking it, clicking it at... Have you seen what this boy has celebrated recently? Um, Bible, you version. Man, you can see the thrill when they are releasing the information. 550 million downloads. That's, David Green is not making a dime. 
It's one family, unless people are not helping him. One family is sponsoring all of that. If you know how many servers, the cost of running those servers, massive. But the family is happy that they can beat their chest. That 550 million devices have downloaded the U version, the Bible app, presenting to us thousands of versions of the Bible in different languages. The Bible says he will see the result of the travel of his soul and he will be what? Satisfied. That's what should be your drive. The world wants to buy your anointing. And the only thing they have to offer is money. It's the only thing they ever offer. Guard it and what? Keep it. Let me stop there. We'll take the other side later. Okay? That God does not use perfect people. But the perfect person must head towards perfection. Today, let's just leave it there on this guard it and keep it issue concerning the anointing. And let's bow down our heads and give the Lord thanks. Once again, say, Lord, thank you for the anointing. I receive it again. Last week, we took time out. I hope many of us did our one-hour challenge at night. If you did not, please get last week's message. It's already ready. Listen to the message and do the one-hour night challenge. And I believe God that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will come afresh upon you. But tonight, pray. Say, Lord, help me to guard it. Help me to keep it. Let me not sell my anointing for a morsel of meat. Let me not sell it for the whole world. Jesus was offered the whole world. He refused to sell. Like Christ Jesus, may I not sell.